said a few moments ago, the goal is to tie those texts together, the Daniel 7 text, the Revelation 10 text, last week's Ezekiel text, last week's Revelation text. We're going to paint a, a big rainbow arc over the scriptures following the throne room of God. Uh, this is going to be the most like an actual Bible study we've really ever done from the pulpit here. I mean, we're going to go from text to text to text for the next 30 minutes. So pull out your pew Bible and find your way to pages 64 and 65. That's going to be in Exodus uh, chapter 24 and find verses 9 through 11 there. Our goal is to do two things. We're going to try to give as complete a picture of the throne room vision of God as different individuals have it throughout the history of Revelation. And then we're also going to be forced to reckon with the meaning of the incarnation of Jesus Christ. Who is this God before he becomes man? Right? And who is this man? Who is God? Uh, and by the end of this, we're, we're going to get all the way, Exodus to Revelation. Uh, you, I hope you have a, a full picture of that one who a moment ago said to you, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Uh, I am now one with you, and you're my hands, you're my feet, you're my body, you're my life, and I'm going to get more of you through you by power of love, wisdom, hope, right, light, all these things. So, Exodus 24, 9 to 11. Hopefully you found that there. It's a little piece that just kind of shows up. It's after the, the harder readings in Exodus where you get kind of the law. You got the early story, Moses, the babies in the river, you know, going across the Red Sea. And you get a chunk of like, do this, don't do that. That's bigger than the Ten Commandments. And it's easy to get a little drifty when you're doing your daily readings in that kind of section. But then out of the blue, there's just this story about going up to the top of the mountain uh, with the elders of Israel, right? And this is again, verses 9 through 11 in 24. It says, Then Moses and Aaron, Nadab and Abihu, and 70 of the elders of Israel went up. And they saw the God of Israel. There was under his feet, as it were, a pavement of sapphire stone, like the very heavens for clearness. And he did not lay his hand on the chief men of the people of Israel. They beheld God and ate and drank. That's really cool, weird stuff. I mean, Mount Sinai, burning fire, smoke, right? All over the air is darkness and cloudy days and the judgment of a fire God upon the earth. And they walk up inside the middle of that and they don't get burned. They don't get destroyed. Instead, they're given food, which is, uh, should point you to the Lord's Supper a little bit, I think. But, but also they see this sapphire pavement, this firmamental dome of spiritual reality segregating God from his creation that we saw last week in Ezekiel. We saw it last week. But here's the first place it shows up, really. I mean, maybe Enoch saw it, right? I don't know. What did Joseph dream about? I, I don't know. I'm not going to claim I've mined the Bible for every place that the throne room shows up. But this is like where God sets the throne down. Bam! Here's my throne room. And here's what you get to see, Moses. Fire and the sapphire. Yeah. But there's going to be more. Moses meets with him face to face. I, I, I don't know what God showed him there. But all this surrounds them, that Ark of the Covenant at the tabernacle and the cherubim that are formed out of gold to sit there as a showing of this throne room that is in fact following them around in the cloud and the fire. Right. And then you get to a place like Joshua 5, 
let's let's jump there. And I, I don't have page numbers prepared because there's too many texts. I'll tell you when I get there. Uh, Joshua 5. Now you're going to keep going chronologically through most of this today. Uh, that's going to be page 180, 181. We're looking for verses 13 to 15. So now the Ark of the Covenant, the priesthood, the people, they're all entering the promised land under Joshua's leadership. Moses has died and been left on the mountain. Uh, Joshua is uh, committed to doing what God says, following his word, which means being the wrath of God against the wicked civilizations who were baby murdering people um, uh, back then. But there's this moment that happens where he's kind of surprised. I mean, he's got the Ark of the Covenant. He's got the priests, you know, the water parts to go over the Jordan. Miracles are with them. But this is a bit bit strange. Uh, Verse 13 says this of chapter 5. When Joshua was by Jericho, he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, a man was standing before him with his drawn sword in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said to him, Are you for us or for our adversaries? And he said, No, but I am the commander of the army of the Lord. Now I have come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshipped and said to him, What does my Lord say to his servant? The commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, Take off your sandals from your feet, for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did so. So here we have, I mean, at the end, you get a little burning bush throwback, right? That holy ground, take your shoes off thing. But what you really also see is that this this God who's on this throne, who's unapproachable, who kills you if you get near him at all, because he's just that good and you're just that bad right? Um, he also just kind of walks around sometimes in a way where you see him and you think he's just a guy at first. And then he does something and you realize, oh my goodness, this isn't just a guy, nor is it just one of the gods, right? This is the God. Oh my goodness, I fall down before the God and worship him. And this, this man of God, this angel of the Lord, commander of the hosts of the army of God, you know, uh, he's a major character in the Old Testament. We're not going to track everywhere he shows up like this, you know, wrestling with Jacob at the Jabbok River. There's, there's lots of places where this, this man shows up, but this man is going to increasingly be shown to be this god of fire. Uh, and then, again, this is all going to come to bear in this baby born in Bethlehem. We're going to get there, I hope. But it is interesting that between, say, Exodus and Isaiah, which is like hundreds of years, there isn't a really clear throne room revelation, a picture of God on the throne like they saw on Mount Sinai. Like it just, it just kind of hides in the background. The Ark of the Covenant really is supposed to be this, I think. And so we get near the place where the Ark of the Covenant is going to be taken away, say the book of Isaiah, suddenly God's going to demonstrate he's got a far bigger throne room than that little box and that little building in Jerusalem on that little mountain. He's got a real heavenly throne room. And he starts to reveal this to, say, Isaiah uh, in, in chapter 6, where we're going to go. But, but first, find Psalm 2. Psalm 2. Because I just can't believe uh, that all of the prophets that show up uh, between Exodus and Isaiah never have any understanding of God being on a throne somewhere, completely in charge of everything. They just don't quite have the glorious rainbow picture. But Psalm 2 shows you that they understood there's a throne, and the guy on the throne's in charge of the wars. 
That's kind of a key point here. No wars are outside of his control. Psalm 2, we're just going to look at uh, verses 4 to 12, where it says, He who sits in the heavens laughs. The Lord holds them in derision. I, I should make it clear that the them is those who are conspiring to overthrow his reign, right? So the king on the throne in heaven, if, they, if the nations are going to try to cast off his teaching. Think of it. They want Christianity silence. That's actually the fulfillment of this, right? But he who sits in the heavens, you're like, we're going to silence Christianity. He goes, <laughs> you will. That'll be the day. Right? He laughs at them. He scoffs. He holds them in derision. Verse five, then he will speak to them in his wrath and terrify them in his fury. So he doesn't take it lightly when you scoff at his word. And he says, eyes for me, I have set my king on Zion, my holy hill. And then this king says, I will tell of the decree. The Lord said to me, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me and I will make the nations your heritage and the ends of the earth your possessions. You shall break them with a rod of iron and dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. It's that rod of iron control image that really is exploding in the light fire glory of, of the reign of God from the heavenly throne, right? So when heaven reigns by glory, on earth it is a reign of steel, right? Um, this is to say that the sword is under God's power at all times. That's why we talk about the state as being the power of the sword. Uh, and God established the state for the good of neighborhoods and families everywhere, and the state's there to, to punish wickedness and to lift up justice. That's what it exists for. Right, And David lived it. Uh, he actually had a scepter, right? And yet there's something here where David knows the Lord said to my Lord, right? Sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool for your throne. Right? So, so did David see this picture is where I'm with with all of this? And I think the answer is yes. I think Asaph saw this picture. I think certain prophets that didn't talk about the throne room, they had to have seen the throne room based upon other things they said. And if not other things they said, they were reading about it where it was written. So I have, as I've studied this the last two weeks, I, I seriously more and more feel like I've seen it. Like I can just stop and look at the sky and I can see it. It's my imagination, right? I'm just, I'm just trying to. Um, but like you then have the spirit of prophecy today before you too. I want you to see that, right? That the picture is fully revealed. And, and here we go. We're going to go through more of it. Isaiah 6 um, uh, we're going to go through Isaiah, Ezekiel, Daniel. They're all right next to each other, except Jeremiah's plopped in there. Uh, Isaiah 6 is going to be on page uh, 571. We did this vision just a couple weeks ago, and, and we're not going to go through all of it. We're just going to look at a couple verses, verses 1 and 2, where it begins with the year that King Uzziah died. Right, That's the setup of the story. He says, I saw... Curios. Notice it's not in all caps. This is not Jesus Christ, Yahweh, the name, right? This is the Lord. It is him, but notice how he's calling him the Lord. Uh, coterminous a little bit with Baal even, but over Baal, greater, uh, a ruler, right? I saw the ruler sitting upon a throne. There he is. He saw the throne, right? High and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple, and above him stood the seraphim, and they got their six wings. I'm not going to read it all, but they, they, they cover their eyes, and they cry, holy, holy, holy. What a song. But all I want to like pile in our picture right now is that we had 
a sapphire pavement and God, and now we have a throne very clearly, and God's on this throne, and around this throne are the actual angels that have been made statuary around the, the kind of shadow version of the Ark of the Covenant, the temple, and all this stuff. Uh, the real thing is being revealed that that Ark of the Covenant is a throne and it's truly in heaven. And there really are seraphim flying around it and their wings are partially used so they can't see what you're getting to see today. And that's an interesting thing to me. The glory is too much for them. And God says, yes, but I'm going to pour it into my sons. Yeah. Jumping a little forward now, Daniel... Uh, we're going to skip over chapter 3, verse 25, but if you want to make a note about it, Daniel's going to get this moment where you get the man of God thing going, you know, the angel of the Lord, but he looked like a man more in 325. But we're just going to look at, at chapter 10, uh, which uh, you'll have to pass Ezekiel to get to this. Uh, 748. Uh, and we're going to look at verses 4 to 6 here, which we just heard this all read, right? But what I want to focus is on, in on is the appearance of this man, right? He's got this, this man that shows up who isn't Michael because he says, you know, Michael helps me sometimes. But he shows up. What does he look like now? This, this angel of God, this man of God, man who is God, but not yet. <laughs> God who is looking like a man. Verse 4, uh, it says, on the 24th day of the first month, as I was standing on the bank of the great river that is the Tigris, I lifted up my eyes and looked, and behold, a man clothed in linen, so think white, right? White, it's clean, uh, with a belt of fine gold from Ufas around his waist, right? So this is, is this an actual golden chain, right? I mean, this, this isn't like from Walmart, a shiny sticky thing that got printed, right? This is actual heavy duty gold wrapped around him. So at the very least, the meaning is a high level of royalty or wealth or power. Um, this image of gold is going to come back in a later text. So try to remember it. Um, it's around his waist. His body is like barrel, so like a stone, right? He's like a stone. He's, he's a man, but there's something substantially more about him. Right? And then stone barrel is going to reflect light too. So he's not dark. Um, his face was like the appearance of lightning. Well, that's scary if you think about it. I, I, did, I don't even know what you do. You, you can't look at this thing. Right? It's too much. Um, his eyes like flaming torches. So we've got lightning with torches on the inside. It's even brighter <laughs> in the eyes. I don't know. Um, uh, and then his arms and legs uh, were like the gleam of burnished bronze. So uh, his body is not only like a stone with shining light, but it's got a, a metallic strength to it, right? Bronze is not a metal you come across most days as Americans, right? Um, but, uh, you know, 2,000 years ago, if you wanted to rule the world, you needed bronze. <laughs> it was what you fought with, yeah? Um, iron is good, too, and steel really changes everything. But bronze is something special if you're living in a barbaric world. And we are, or were, or will again, I don't know, but that his legs are bronze means, like, try to stab him. Go ahead. Right? Try to kill him. See what happens, you know? He's made of bronze and fire and rock. <laughs> yeah. what, what are you going to do to this elemental one? And can you see that? Like all the pagan stories about the elementals, they wish. They wish, okay? God, really, 
truly. I think I have one more bit of the verse here, uh, going back to verse 6, Daniel 10, 6, uh, which says that, yeah, the sound of his words are like the sound of a multitude. So we're going to have a number of different times when this figure, who is Jesus, speaks, and when he speaks, it's always like super loud in some way, super, super loud. So more of that coming. And see this then, I mean, the key here, this is obviously God. This is not obviously Jesus, right? This is obviously God, though. Uh, and, and that obviousness of God, what's going to happen is Jesus is just going to do that too. Uh, and then Christianity is going to say and going to see this, and John is going to lift it up even more with a great elevation. But I'm going to try to show us today in the text where we're in history this happens. Okay, So going forward, though, packing that in the back of your head, uh, forward, backward, Ezekiel 1, 26 to 28, a review from last week. But hopefully this, this figure as a person, is becoming a person, a, a character in your mind, right? You're seeing how he looks. Then you got to fill in some blanks. It's fine, right? I uh, haven't read about his white hair yet, but there you go. He's got white hair. Um, Ezekiel chapter 1, 26 through 28. This is page 692 of your pew Bible. Uh, where, from last week, remember, it says, above the expanse, that's that sapphire, you know, throne uh, pavement thing. Uh, Over their heads, there was the likeness of a throne in appearance like sapphire, and seated above the likeness of a throne was the likeness of a human appearance, or a man. And upward from what had the appearance of his waist, I saw as it were gleaming metal, like the appearance of fire enclosed all around. And downward from what had the appearance of his waist, I saw as it were the appearance of fire. And there was brightness around him, like the appearance of the bow that is in the cloud on the day of rain, so was the appearance of the brightness all around him. So now I just add to this same picture, you know, angels and, and uh, throne room and sapphire. You got, he's made of rock and glisteningness and uh, he's got lightning and there's fire coming out of him everywhere. Right? And all the light is rainbow refractionary. So it's like a kaleidoscopic glory dream. Right? So put that in your picture. Uh, and then we're going to jump over. You can look up Zechariah 1, 8 through 11 and all of chapter 4 for other pieces of this. Well, he's a little more shadowed, but he's there. He shows up and does stuff. Yeah? Um, but he's kind of hidden, uh, the hidden God, as it were. We're going to spend the rest of our time, next 12 minutes, on Revelation. So Revelation is going to start on page 1028, all the way at the back of your Bible, um, where we're going to we're going to pick up on John saying, this is Jesus. And I told you, I'm going to prove it from another text in a moment. We'll do that right at the end. Uh, but here is where John goes with everything else we just heard. Right? We looked at these things uh, in these different prophetic visions, and John takes them from the visions and applies them to Jesus, or that'd be kind of the critical way of saying it, right? Uh, John has heard of them, and then he gets to see it too. Uh, and when he sees it, there's more because certain things have changed about, about Jesus, having become a man. He's, he's not quite as enigmatic as he was, um, and he is uh, not quite as humiliated as he was when he lived his earthly life with us. He's, he's glorified. Or he's not a man of sorrows anymore. Um, okay, chapter 1, verses 12 to 16. Uh, John says, I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me, and on turning, I saw seven golden lampstands. Uh, if you look at that Zechariah passage, uh, check out chapter 2 and 3 for more lampstand references. Uh, in the midst of the lampstands was one like a son of man. He's not just a man. 
is not just God. He's the Son of Man, prepared from eternity to be our King and one with you. He saw him clothed with a long robe. Isaiah, anybody? Yeah. With a golden sash around his chest. Daniel, anybody? Uh, The hairs of his head were white. I think this does show up in Isaiah elsewhere. Uh, Like white wool, like snow. His eyes were like a flame of fire. I think that was how Ezekiel just had it. Or was that Daniel? I might confuse the two. His feet were like burnished bronze. That's definitely Ezekiel right there. Uh, Refined in a furnace, furnace, and his voice like the roar of many waters. Also Ezekiel right there, right? Except it was a multitude before, now it's waters. It's a loud noise. In his right hand, he held seven stars, and from his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword. And his face was shining like the sun in full strength. Not lightning, but the sun. Now hold that shining like the sun facial recognition thing. That's going to be the last thing we look at. But there's a lot more of this picture in Revelation. So turn to chapter 4, verses 2 to 3. Here we're going to see God on the throne. Is it Jesus? Is it the Father? Yes. I think you can make cases both ways. You can make the case it's the Holy Spirit. The thing is, you're going to see the throne. You're going to see someone on the throne who's going to look one way. Then you're going to see someone on the throne who's going to look a different way. And then they're going to like have an exchange. I think it's about the incarnation of Christ, his humanity and his Godhead coming together in one person. And that what we see in chapter 10 is the fulfillment of this. Um, if someone wants to make the case uh, that, that that is not the case, that the Father is on the throne and Christ is the Lamb, I'm cool with that too, right? This is, this is the book of Revelation. We can debate things. But definitely I want you to see uh, chapter 4, verse 2. He says, At once I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne— there it is, stood in heaven with one seated on the throne, right? You should fill that with everything you know already. This isn't just some random guy, right? You know who this is. You know what he looks like, fire, flames, rainbows, and all that stuff, right? And he who sat there had the appearance of Jasper. Again, he looks like stone. We heard about that, carnelian. And around the throne was a rainbow that had the appearance of an emerald. Beautiful stuff. Uh, and around the throne were 24 thrones. So uh, we saw this a little bit last week, I think, as well. So it's, it's just one more piece of the puzzle. Let's turn to chapter 5, right? We have this one guy. It looks like a man. Chapter 5, verse 6 and 7 should be on the same pages. Um, but now uh, it says, Between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders, I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain, with seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. And he went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who was seated on the throne. So, you know, this lamb is like in the middle of all of it. Again, is he on the throne? Is he in the midst of the throne? I don't know how to picture it, honestly. Um, But here is a different picture of the same guy, okay? And this is where everything we've seen up to this point has been about his power, his power, his power, his power. And this is his power to do what? I saw a lamb looking like we had killed it. And it wasn't dead anymore. Right? So it's his power to rise from the dead. That's what the rainbow is a promise about. It's a promise of the resurrection. The ark going through the flood is your body going through the grave. It's one big story that always is the same story. And it's always about the reign of God in time and space, actually, by means of his eternal word, who is the one man, Jesus Christ, who we're seeing in all of these pictures, which now culminate in chapter 10 that you heard read. But again, you don't usually think of Jesus like this, I imagine. Chapter 10 is on page uh, 1033. 
This is this angel, this mighty angel coming down from heaven. Verse one, wrapped in a cloud with a rainbow over his head and his face was shining like the sun, his legs like pillars of fire. So you have, you have two things. You have a choice going on here, right? It's an angel. And so you can be very dogmatic about the word angel and say, well, it says it's an angel. And Jesus is not an angel because the Nicene Creed does, in fact, confess he's not a created being. I believe that. You know, there was no time when Jesus was not. Uh, he was from the beginning with the Father. Right? He, uh, he, he is God of God, light of light. Um, and the word does say angel. And angels often are used to refer, the word is used to refer to created heavenly spirits. That's true. Um, but then everything else about this angel is basically everything it says about God. <laughs> In all these other places, like we saw God, we saw God, we saw God. It looked like this. There's an angel who is God. Well, okay, so slow down, back up, and remember that the word angel was not trademarked by Hallmark. And the word angel is just the word messenger. It means one who speaks for another. And there are many angels in the Bible that aren't even translated with the word angel because it's so obvious. It just means messenger. The problem is that we've got this confusion, and so we don't have the whole word all the time. Again, from the beginning of the Old Testament... The angel of Yahweh, and that's the name, you know, Jesus Christ. The angel of the Lord is God. The burning bush is the angel of the Lord. It says so in the text. Go look it up. He's God. He's an angel. Well, then he's not the kind of angel you think of when you do angelology. He is the one who speaks for God and no one else is ever going to. He's the only messenger God has really ever sent. The Son reveals the Father. And this is high Trinitarian theology, right? No one has seen God, but God, the only God, he has made him known. That's John 1. And the Father dwells in inapproachable light, but the Son comes from the Father, begotten everlastingly to reveal the Father to you. And that the Spirit you never see because the Spirit's actually inside of you singing praises back to the Father about how God has done this in Jesus. So the angel here, I suggest, is in fact Jesus. And it's not meant to say he was a created being. It's more to say that he became one with a created being called mankind. And now mankind looks pretty sweet. Check out this man. I saw a mighty man coming down from heaven, wrapped in a cloud with a rainbow over his head. And his face was like the sun and his legs like pillars of fire. Superman wears tights. This is Jesus. And he put his hand on or his feet on the sea and his left foot on the land. I skipped the scroll. We're doing the scroll next week. Uh, he put his foot on the sea and his foot on the land. He stands on the two parts of the world that are not heaven from which he came. So the triune reality of heaven, earth, and sea, he owns it. And it's especially important since the beast out of the sea and the beast of the land, they haven't shown up yet. So in the whole story, you're just like, oh, look, nasty beasts, but they're on a chain being held by the rainbow God-man Jesus from his throne. And they never get off that chain. And when he needs them over there, he goes, poof, and he pulls them over there. This is the God who controls, watches over, and protects your life. Chapter 19, verses 11 through 16. Wherein John sees the heavens open, and he sees a white horse. 
And the one sitting on it is called faithful and true. And in righteousness, he judges and makes war. His eyes are like a flame of fire and his head has many diadems. And he has a name written that no one knows but himself. He is clothed in a robe dipped in blood and the name by which he is called is the word of God. And the armies of heaven, arrayed in fine linen, white and pure, were following him on white horses. From his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations, and he will rule them with a, you see it, rod of iron. He will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God the Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh he has a name written, King of Kings, Lord of Lords. Page 1041, next page, chapter 21, verses 21 through 24. Speaking about the heavenly Jerusalem, the 12 gates were 12 pearls, and each of the gates made of a single pearl, and the street of the city was pure gold, like transparent glass. And I saw no temple in the city, for its temple is the Lord God, the Almighty, the Lamb. And the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and its lamp is the Lamb. By its light the nations walk, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it, and its gates will never be shut by day, and there will be no night. They will bring into it the glory and the honor of the nations, but nothing unclean will ever enter it, nor anyone who does what is detestable or false, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. So there you see that this God who is fire, light, rainbow uh, has planned to be our light, actually, physically, our light in the next creation. This this angel man, right, this son of man, uh, his light's going to be such that it never casts shadows when it's hit with stuff, right? Can you imagine? I know my hand is hit by light and shadow comes out. What if the light always went forward through, brightened me and everything around? Imagine the world to come, and then let's do that last thing. Matthew chapter 17. One verse, two verses. Matthew chapter 17. Right. How can we say this is Jesus? Well, of course, his death and resurrection proves this. But for the angel side of it too, right? Nobody's face shines like the sun except Jesus. Matthew 17, 2-7. Jesus was transfigured before them. And his face shone like the sun. And his clothes became white as light. And behold, there appeared to them Moses and Elijah talking with him. And Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good that we are here. If you wish, I will make three tents here. One for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. He was still speaking when, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and the voice from the cloud said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell on their faces and were terrified. But Jesus came and touched them and said, Rise and have no fear. And when they lifted up their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus only. In the name of Jesus, amen.